Today's Bible reading is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, which you can find on page 1176 in your church Bibles. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue, stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Phil, thank you for reading for us. Kirkley, thank you for leading us in prayer. Please do keep your Bibles open there. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, just out of interest, uh, do people get handed a, an outline on their way in? No. Um, if you... Are there any outlines at the back? You may find it a help. Um, Lauren, thank you. Um, uh, the points will come up on the screen as well, but there are some fun, exciting blanks to fill in on a handout that I clearly spent hours on this week. I don't want to be wasted. Um, Ephesians 4, we're going to be focusing in on verses 11 to 16. Let me lead us in prayer, though, as we begin. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Well, whether we've been at St. John's our whole life, I think that's true for some of us, or we've just joined in recent weeks or months, it is really helpful to know what we're on about as a church. Any organisation needs to be clear on what its aims, its purposes are, how much more God's gathered people. Here at St. John's, you may know, we have the strapline of knowing Jesus better, making Jesus better known. It's snappy. It's memorable, but is it biblical? Last week we were thinking about making Jesus better known. All of us have the joy, the responsibility, the privilege of making disciples of all nations. I hope we're persuaded of that. And this this morning we'll discover we all have the privilege, the job, of helping one another know Jesus better. We were in Matthew 28 last Sunday, but today we're turning to Ephesians 4. Now, we're just diving into the book of Ephesians, so it's helpful to know something of what we've skipped over. At the end of chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles open, is all about praying for God to strengthen his people, to give us power so Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith, to grasp fully the extent of his love, and ultimately, so we might be filled with all the fullness of God. That idea of fullness crops up quite a bit in the letter. And so chapter one, God's plan is for all things to be united under Christ, in Christ. And at the end of chapter one, we discover the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That the church, in a sense, is filled by Christ. And Jesus fills all things as the church grows and builds itself up. It's a staggering picture the more we think about it. But we mustn't think this, this growth, this, this building, is just a kind of let go and let God. What, what God is doing in the universe is seen in and through the church. But we're not just passive agents. And God doesn't work outside of our wills and desires and action and energy, but through them. And God's answer for Paul's prayer is we strive in his strength. Uh, So chapters uh, four to six, that's uh, where we are, but just in chapter four, they're not just empty commands, not merely good advice. We're doing all of this as we live out chapter three, verse 10, displaying God's wisdom as the church to the world. Here is what it looks like for Christ to fill the church. Here's a little uh, snapshot of uh, 1 verse 10, chapter 1 verse 10, 10, being the end goal of all things, being united under Christ as the church is united uh, under him, in him. Uh, More and more areas of our life being brought in submission to him. And so we are to live out what we already are. So just look down with me, chapter 4 verse 3 for example Do you see there, to maintain the unity of the Spirit, something they already have. But then look down to verse 13. They're to attain to the unity of the faith. Now Paul wants the Ephesians to to walk the talk, to be who God has made them. So please don't uh, mishear this. We don't live this way to become a Christian or, or to join the church. We live this way because of who God has already made us, because of what he's already done. So how is Jesus going to fill all in all? In short, in and through the church. 
and particularly this morning as the church builds itself up in love. I want us to work through verses 11 to 16 in chapter 4, and the question I want us to ask is, who does what? That's a question you can keep playing in your mind if you're beginning to drift off, looking at verses 11 to 16. Who does what? And first up, at verse 11, we see Jesus gives gifts to his church. It's his provision. Just before verse 11, Paul quotes from Psalm 68. And he applies it to Jesus as the one who descended from heaven to earth to die on the cross to achieve our salvation and reconciliation with God. He then rose again and ascended into heaven where as the victorious conqueror, he gives gifts to his church. But as we uh, kind of unwrap the wrapping paper, as we kind of peer under the Christmas tree, the presents might not be what we initially expect. Just look down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. This is how Christ goes about, verse 10, filling the whole universe by giving his people what they need to grow to full maturity. Uh, What does Jesus choose to give his church? Bible teachers. Or if you're wanting to fill in the blank on the sheet, if you've got one, word workers. Uh, Word workers. I wonder what you or I would give to the church to help it grow up into full maturity so the church can be everything God wants it to be. Jesus gives Bible teachers. Over the uh, the summer, as a family, we um, looked around uh, Chatham Dockyards and you can go through one of the submarines there and you can walk through the engine rooms. And here it's like we're, we're entering the engine room as we see the steps God lays out for his church to grow in unity and maturity. And step one is the centrality of God's word and word workers. You see, we've already had these apostles and prophets mentioned back in chapter 2, verse 20, and and 3, verse 5. They're the foundational group of people whose ministry found its fulfillment in the formation of the New Testament. Uh, But along Aside the apostles and prophets are are these two other roles. Paul says Christ gave evangelists and pastor teachers. Those who teach God's word, particularly to unbelievers, perhaps those who who pastor and teach in the local church. Uh, Just as an aside, that the Bible only knows of pastoral ministry as teaching the Bible. That's how Jesus pastors or shepherds his church. That's how church leaders are to be his under-shepherds. And now clearly these four roles are not the only thing Jesus gives to his church. Uh, Paul just chooses to mention these four here because of the particular importance they have in achieving unity and maturity. That one clear implication is that when we find ourselves in uh, disagreement, we need to humbly go to God's word. Uh, But why does Jesus give these gifts. So he gives the gifts. Why? Well, the answer is in verses 12 to 14. We learn Jesus is the goal of his church. Jesus is the goal of his church. His purpose, again, if you're wanting to to fill in the gaps, is bodybuilding and mature manhood. Uh, Here at St. John's, we're all about bodybuilding. I don't know if that was uh, obvious if you're a newcomer here. 
That's what we're about. I wonder if that is news to you. There was um, a gym not far from where we used to live called the Better Body Shop. That, that was kind of, it was its strapline, its logo. People uh, rave about it. It can list celebrities on its books, but it does do what it says on the tin, by and large. You pay the somewhat eye-watering fees and you get the better body. Uh, may I suggest, though, the Apostle Paul got there first? Oh, not quite really. The church isn't a shop. And that body he's talking about is not a physical body, it's that the body of the church, the body of Christ. Uh, the point does remain, though, we are to be about building the body. And I want us to be really clear about the process of building up the church that Paul's outlining here. Uh, Jesus gives these gifts, these people, for a purpose. Do you see verse 12? Please look down again with me. To, here's the reason, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you're, um, you're walking, I don't know, whatever, up and down the high street in Tunbridge Wells. You bump into someone and they ask you, oh, oh who's the minister at St. John's Tunbridge Wells? I wonder what your knee-jerk kind of gut response answer is so according to verse 12 you are and not as an individual but corporately i don't know about you but verse 12 is a bit of a surprise isn't it together as we're taught god's word week by week we are equipped for the work of ministry there is no such thing as a single minister church uh, the ministry team is or should be the whole church <coughs> our job is to minister to one another not by everyone taking it in turns to preach but as we'll see in verse 15 speaking the truth in love to one another and so the idea of ministry here isn't just humble service it's the idea of conveying or passing something along so uh, think of a, a kind of waiter at a restaurant bringing something from the kitchen to the table all serving God's word to one another and as we do that, the church will be built up and grow into maturity, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, if we're just beginning to, to slightly kind of lose the wood for the trees, I hope this uh, little diagram might be helpful in explaining the logic. Let me explain. Uh, we see Christ's job, uh, the pastor teacher's job, and every Christian's job. So those are two up and down arrows on the left, verses 8 to 10, Christ's descent and ascent. Uh, so uh, verses 8 to 10, he, he comes down, achieves salvation, goes up, and, and then he gifts uh, the church. Verse 11, he, he gifts the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastor teachers, word workers, to equip his people for the work of ministry, and then you see of that last uh, big arrow, uh, verse 12, verses uh, 15 and 16. We'll come on to those in a bit. And the, the end goal, uh, verse 13, all of this so the church might be built up into the fullness of Christ. Jesus is the goal of the church. I, I, it makes sense to me. I hope that diagram might be helpful for some of us. You see, we, we cannot be equipped outside of being taught the Bible. Uh, regular faithful Bible teaching is what will equip God's people. Nothing less, nothing more. Uh, the one thing necessary 
Some people might object, oh, we've had Bible teaching for years and years. Tom, it's, it's just passe, it's outdated. We need something new, something exciting, something more relevant. And it's why we need to hear these truths again and again. It's why the Bible is front and center of all that we do here at St. John's. Because our goal is growing up into Christ. He's our focus, he is our purpose. And again, just as an aside, please don't think this means there can be a distinction between being a spirit church and a word church. Sometimes people say that. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's how he, the Spirit, works. At the end of chapter 2, you might see if you glance back, we're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's pretty much saying the same thing as our passage. He does his work, building the church, as God's word goes out, word and spirit, working together, always working together. I wonder how you expect to grow as a Christian. How can we grow more like Jesus? I hope you want to. How do we know him better? Well, Paul says, be part of church. I mean, you already are if you're a Christian, but but really be a part of church every week, in person, eager to serve. Because just look at what we'll avoid if we do this. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The results are a stable, secure, safe church. Children are the opposite of mature adults, aren't they? Paul's not having a pop at children, But it is sad when people can't or won't grow up. The the adult who sits at home all day long playing video games. The person who refuses to to grow up and get a job. We're meant to grow up and the church is meant to grow up into Christ. So to extend the diagram, again if it works for you, great. If not, you can ditch it. We, We could show this as well on the screen. So we're growing up into the full measure of Christ. The language of verse 13 sounds a little clunky, doesn't it? To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We kind of read that at six in the morning when we're having a quiet time and think, what does it mean? It is a bit like a child who's desperate to go on a fairground ride or a flume at the swimming pool. Uh, just this week, uh, Zach, our, our middle child, went to a pool where you had to be a certain height to go down one of the flumes. And it's like a child who's not yet fully grown. So you draw a line on the door frame uh, in the kitchen Uh, You show that's how tall you need to be. There's the measure. And they're just longing to grow up to full maturity to reach it. So the church should be corporately growing up, striving for maturity, not to meet some certain physical height, but to be perfectly like Jesus. He is the measure. As we become more like Jesus, we attain the knowledge of the Son of God, verse 13, so we grow up into him. That's what those figures are, are meant to be. The church builds itself up into full maturity. What does full maturity look like? Jesus. It does beg the question, though, how how do we do this? How do we build up the body of Christ? We know it's the work of ministry. We know it's equipped by God's word. What does it look like on the ground? And so we move to verses 15 and 16 and discover Jesus grows his church. And here is his not-so-secret plan. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, if you do have a handout, you're wanting to fill in the blanks, you're just itching to know it is speaking the truth in love. Uh, just a few days ago, I heard of someone who always, always makes a promise to new church members at, uh, at his church. He promises them if they come to church regularly, and regularly means uh, every week, and if they're a part of a small group, that's what it means in their context. If they seek to serve other Christians in love with God's word, then, he promises them, they will get everything they want out of church. It's quite a big promise, isn't it? He says, so far, not a single person has come back to tell them that he misled them, to tell him that he misled them. Uh, We've uh, seen how Bible teaching is the catalyst for all the ministry going on within church life. All the saints are equipped to do the work of ministry. And the building up ministry is, according to verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Uh, Did you notice it has the same effect as the work of ministry in verse 13? Uh, Building up the body of Christ... Here, verse 15, growing up into Christ. Now, sometimes you might hear people talking about uh, speaking the truth in love as if all it means is saying hard things in a nice way. And uh, certainly it doesn't mean we should be saying uh, horrible things in a harsh way. I don't want us to be about that as a church. But Bible words do have Bible meanings. And so back in chapter 1, verse 13, Paul's referred to the gospel as the word of truth. In chapter 4, verse 21, he'll say, as the truth is in Jesus. So what I think is much more likely is Paul means we'll speak gospel truth to one another in a loving way. We'll help one another see how the gospel is brought to bear on our lives, pointing out in love areas in our lives where we need to submit to Jesus, be more like him bit by bit. It'll mean talking about what we've learned from God's word in in the sermon, in our own personal Bible reading, in in our home groups and so on. And the work of ministry is ministry of the word. And speaking the truth in love is, is speaking that gospel word to one another. We may not all be Bible teachers in a verse 11 sense, but we are all to be Bible speakers in a verse 15 sense. So we do this ministry on a Sunday. I hope we do it. We do it throughout the week. One of the key ways we aim to achieve this is in our small group Bible studies or or growth groups as I like to call them because as we've been seeing it is all about growth. You see don't just meet to study the Bible though that fuels all we do. We meet to be changed, transformed by God's word. We meet to help one another grow up into Christ more like him, into the fullness of him. You see, who is responsible under Christ for building the church to maturity? I hope by now we're beginning to pick up the theme. You are. I am. Ultimately, Jesus builds his church through the gospel, through his word. The way he does it, though, is through people like you and me. The person, it's not very British to do this, but the person sitting next to you. The person in front or behind you could even look around and look at them. Every member ministry isn't just a nice tagline or one way of doing church. It is the way, Jesus' way, 
of growing his church. So please don't think of me or the staff team as being the ones who do the ministry in church. Sure, we do some of it. But all of us are responsible for the work of ministry. And it's a speaking work. Words are needed. Once the sermon ends, then all of our work begins. So um, we hear a sermon, decide, oh, it's time to sign up for a a small group Bible study. Or we ask about helping out at at ARC at Sunday school. Or we, we decide we need to visit someone in the church congregation. The word is doing its work. Uh, We think through, how can I be speaking the truth in love to to this person, that person, and be building up one another in Christ-likeness? The word is doing its work. So church here, we should be much more like a a kind of orchestra rather than a train. Uh, Some of you may be getting back into commuting up to London. You get the train. You don't play a huge part in getting the train, do you? Uh, when I'm on there, I sit down and might clear a few emails. If I'm feeling very adventurous, I might try and chat to someone and talk to them about Jesus. It is the train driver, though, who gets me from A to B. An orchestra, everyone has to turn up. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a, a role assigned to them, so the whole thing works. And so in a church, it's not all down to one leader, but all of us doing the work of ministry. And verse 16, it means we'll be a growing church from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Uh, We do all of this connected to, in dependence on Jesus. He gives the growth, and yet we all have a part to play. Verse 16 can be a little tricky to understand, but it helps to see what the logical flow is. We, We could jump from the end of verse 15 to the end of 16, we grow up into Christ who makes the body grow. He gives the growth, but we need one another, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. We're connected to Christ and to one another when each part is working properly. It only works when everyone's doing their job. We all have a part to play. So as we close, this passage perhaps uh, throws up a few surprises, doesn't it? A community or loving friendships or good music that aren't centred on gospel truth won't grow the church. Although, of course, we, we want good relationships and encouraging music. It is only insofar as God's word is taught in them, they'll build up God's church. Because how God's people are equipped is through the faithful teaching of God's word. And how the church is built up is as we obediently respond by ministering to one another, speaking gospel truth in love. Maybe you've uh, yet to sign up to a small group Bible study. Ephesians 4 encourages us to to get stuck in, to be effective at building up the whole church. Uh, Unity and maturity are achieved, not by ignoring truth and doctrine, by teaching it, listening to it, responding to it. And of course, the truth is never a club to bludgeon people into acceptance and obedience. It's always done in love. The danger I think all of us face, myself included, is I go along to church for what I can get out of it, for what I can learn. If I learn something, it's been a good week. If I don't, it isn't. But this does transform our thinking. I'm taught God's word to be equipped so I can serve others in the church and build them up by speaking the truth in love to them. And because every part, every Christian in a local church is essential, it means if I choose not to turn up, 
on a Sunday morning. It's not just me who's missing out. I'm negatively impacting the whole. We need one another to be growing up into Christ. We're dependent on each other doing this work of ministry. That's the only way we're going to grow up as a church and come to know Jesus better. In summarising an argument in his book, Engaging with God, David Peterson says this, We minister to one another as we teach and exhort one another on the basis of his word, using the gifts the Spirit has given us in the way Scripture directs. Edification is to be our concern even when we sing or pray to God in the congregation. However, all this is not a purely human activity. For God is at work in the midst of his people as they minister in this way. Edification is first and foremost the responsibility of Christ as the head, but he achieves his purpose as the various members of his body are motivated and equipped by him to play their part. We meet together to draw on the resources of Christ, his word and spirit, and to take our part in the edification of his church. And so it means what you'll get here week by week at St. John's is we'll read the Bible, preach the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible, uh, see the Bible, whether through a baptism or in a moment, the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper is, in a sense, a, an enacted word. So I do hope we'll all be longing to get on with this work of ministry, building one another up in love with God's word, knowing every single Christian at St. John's is indispensable, but it is Jesus who ultimately gives the growth. And actually, as we do that, we will be displaying the fullness of Christ more and more. God's cosmic purposes for all of creation, evidenced in us living for Jesus and becoming more like him, united in him. And just at one final comment, it's worth pointing out, knowing Jesus better and making him better known, they're not two competing aims. It's not like we need to make sure we're not overly focused on one and not the other. As we're built up in Christ, it should be an inevitability that we're proclaiming him. You could say it's mission through maturity. We build up one another in Jesus with his word and so we're equipped to speak of him. But then of course, as people come to know him, we are making disciples and seeing them grow up into Christ. And we do all of this remembering Jesus is the one who provides for his church He is the goal of the church, growing up into him, and ultimately he grows the church, all for the glory of God, which actually is what Paul's already been saying and praying at the end of chapter three. So I'm going to lead us in prayer now with those words. So let's um, uh, bow our head or close our eyes, and I'll lead us with those words of the Apostle Paul. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.